Welcome back. AM 1160, the Quest Atlantis Catholic Radio Station. We are grateful that you are listening. We also would love it if you would become part of the team by giving us a call at 678-688-4549. I am Kelly Roper. I am your host, and I am here with our next great local guest, and that is Father Dan Ketter. He is from the Archdiocesan Tribunal, so we'll be finding out all about that. But first, we know, Father, that all good things begin with prayer, so would you lead us in a prayer for this next segment? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might carry out your work, the work of your Son, Jesus, and build up the body of Christ here on earth. Bless all who are listening. Uh, inspire in them a generosity that can support this Catholic radio station so that the word of your gospel might spread farther and wider among your people. Mm. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus, who is Lord forever and ever. Amen. 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 In the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, so a few housekeeping things before we get rolling. We have this bell. We, oh, shoot. We didn't take a picture of Lynn ringing the bell. Doggone it. We got going and we didn't do it. So we've had one founder. I guess Father's going to get to ring the, the bell in honor of him unless he's still out there. I don't know if he's still out there. If we can get him ringing the bell, we can do that real quick because uh, we forgot to do that. Um, all right. So we ring the bell every time we get a founder. And a founder is a person who says they'll give $100 a month for 36 months or a one-time $3,600 pledge today we had lynn wood who walked in and and became a founder plus some he gave five thousand dollars and uh, so we're grateful for that we they're getting me my list we've had at least 13 other founders i think this week probably more than that um so they'll get me my list here in just a minute um of all the founders that we've had called in um so if you would like to be a founder you will uh, get your name on the plaque here at the station that says that you're a founder and forever you have bragging rights that you are a founder of Catholic Radio. You can even put it in your obituary someday. So give us a call at 678-688-4549 if you would like to, to do that or if you'd like to give in any amount. Any amount, monthly, one time. We still have this uh, competition going on between the Knights of Columbus. It was so popular last night that it kind of destroyed our phone lines. And so we're continuing it today. And uh, so we would love it. And, and Lynn Wood, because he became a founder and we got so involved, we forgot to ask him to ring the bell. So he's going to be back in in just a minute to ring the bell and we'll get his picture. Um, but if you want to vote, for your favorite Knights of Columbus, you can vote and make a donation. Uh, one-time donation gets one point. Monthly donation gets two. A founder gets three. And uh, you're calling for either All Saints, St. Saint Bridget, St. Michael's, or Christ the King. Which one has the best fish uh, fry dinner? So it's the fish fry competition. All Saints has five. St. Bridget's has 17. St. Michael's has five. And Christ the King has 15. So come on, give us a call. Give us a call. All right. Um, let's see. I'm getting another. Okay. Well, we've already got messages coming in here for you, Father. So, so that's the other thing that we want to say is if you want to support the priest that is in here right now, by all means, give us a call. If you can make a donation, that's great, but you don't have to. You can call and just say, we love you, Father. And Sandy's already getting it rolling. And Sandy says, um, great interview with Lynn Wood and wanted to give a shout out to Father Dan and thank, thank him for all he does. And that uh, she is praying for him and for the quest. All right. So we're also going to get Lynn Wood in here with a camera and let him ring the bell. So we'll let him sit right there. He gets to ring it because he was our founder. So by gosh, he should get to ring it, right? So look at the camera over here and ring it with gusto. Here we go. Awesome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for your donation. Thank you for your time. Thank you again. Okay, so we are talking with Father Dan Ketter. He's from the Archdiocesan Tribunal. Um, we gave the, the rules. There's also some other giveaways. Just give us a call. Whatever amount that you can give, just give us a call. 678-688-4549. The, the volunteers over there can tell you about the giveaways. And uh, we also ring the bell at the $10,000 mark. So we're at $5,720 so far for today. And uh, so when we get up to $10,000, I'm very positive here. When we get up to $10,000 where you're sitting in the hot seat, you ring the bell. 
All right, so 678-688-4549. When I do these pledge drives, I usually start, if I have a priest across from me or a religious, we start with their vocation story. Every so often I have a, a man who calls in and says they're more seriously considering the priesthood because of what they hear. So can we start with your vocation story? Sure. I grew up in a Catholic family, but I was... Um one of the only children in our family to attend Catholic school. I think my sister, who was the oldest, attended Catholic school for like a semester. But uh, my sister was the oldest, my brother in the middle, and then me. We had always attended public schools um, until we moved here to Atlanta. And after one year in the public school here in Atlanta, my uh, parents decided that they would send me to a Catholic school for high school. So um, I ended up attending uh, Marist school for four years of high school. And though I resisted that, uh, very much, I did not <laughs> want to go to Catholic school. Um, I, uh, I see now that God had a plan because it was there, uh, at, uh, at Marist that the seed of vocation was first planted. Uh, there was, um, a religious brother, uh, a Marist brother who was a young guy. I had him for a number of classes. He was athletic. He was fun. He had a great personality and he and I kind of hit it off. And, uh, he was the one who first, uh, encouraged me to consider the possibility that God was calling me to the priesthood. So, um, I, uh, from that point, uh, just kind of Continued to, you know, pursue what was the typical path of, you know, going off to college and then after college um, uh, seeking a, a professional career in the world. Uh, but the whole time, you know, that that thought about a possible vocation of the priesthood was in the was in the back of my mind. And sometimes I would think about it more seriously and sometimes I would think about it less seriously or, or not at all. And um, it really wasn't until uh, 10 years after I'd graduated from college and had worked for, for that period of time that I finally made the commitment to go into the seminary. Um, over that large stretch of time, you know, it was, um, like I said, it was something that I was kind of waffling on back and forth. Um, and, uh, and yet ultimately, uh, came to, I guess one of the things that I realized is that I didn't want to wake up when I was 60 years old, 50 years old, and, and still be thinking, should I be a priest? Um, and so I was 32 years old when I finally made the decision to go into the seminary. And um, I certainly didn't go into the seminary knowing for sure that I was going to be a priest, but I knew that I needed to go uh, give it much more serious consideration. And uh, so made that leap, left behind my job and, and home and what was familiar and, and headed off to the seminary. And uh, and then over those six years in the seminary, which were definitely a, a process of discernment, even then during those six years, uh, wrestled with the vocation. And there was at times when I was uh, on the verge of packing up and, and leaving and, and uh, concluding that, that the priesthood was not my vocation. But um, through different people or um, events, prayer, reading, uh, I always at those moments uh, was given uh, the encouragement, the uh, the sense from God that I was supposed to continue down this path. And then ultimately, as I kind of neared the end of my years in the seminary, um, through a real, um, a graced re retreat experience, uh, came to a real certainty that, that God was calling me to the priesthood. And so at that point, then I kind of set all the questioning behind the doubts, the wondering, and just move forward uh, with a greater sense of, of certainty that this was my call. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then was ordained in, in 2008. Wow. Mm. You're pretty new. Pretty new a priest in, in relative terms. Well, 10 years. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, new, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. All right. And so... Um, you know, your vocation story, you're now uh, an art at the Archdiocesan Tribunal. So share with us a little bit. Are you a canon lawyer, yes. I suppose? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yep. so, you know, it was more than just the six years then. You had to go on <laughs> after that. So right. what happened after the, the six years and, and ordination? Sure. So my first assignment was at uh, St. Jude the Apostle Catholic Church and school. And I had a wonderful four years there at, at St. Jude and... Um, I 
um, I knew that, you know, I wouldn't be at St. Jude forever. And usually for your first assignment, you know, two, three years, you're, you're expecting that maybe you're going to get moved somewhere. And, um, and I had met with the archbishop uh, around the end of my third year, and we agreed that I would stay on for another year. The thought was that uh, I might go into high school chaplaincy, and there was some thinking that maybe uh, in another year there would be uh, an opening at one of our Catholic high schools. So continued on at, at St. Jude for that fourth year, kind of thinking that that was going to be uh, where I would end up after that fourth year, and then... Um, during that fourth year, the archbishop called me <laughs> to his office and uh, said there'd been a change of plans and uh, that he was going to send me to study canon law. So after I finished my fourth year at St. Jude in the summer of 2012, uh, I packed up and headed up to Washington, D.C., where I spent the next three years studying canon law at the Catholic University of America. Yes, yes. Um, wow. And so now you're you're back. You're a canon lawyer uh, and what is your role at the tribunal? First of all, tell us what the tribunal is for those of us that, that don't know. There's probably many listeners out there that, that don't know. And uh, so tell us what that is and then what your role is. Sure. The tribunal, I like to say, is the, is the law office of the, of the, the diocese. It's the, uh, the office that, um, that handles matters related to um, canon law, specifically um, uh, judicial matters, uh, trials pertaining in, in, in large part to uh, matrimonial issues, but it could be other issues as well. Um, and so staffed at the tribunal are a number of, of canon lawyers. Some of them are, are priests, some of them are lay people, and then we have um, a what you could call a kind of a paralegal sort of staff uh, that supports the work of the tribunal. And so what is the, the work? I'm going to give out, I'm going to ask the question, give out the number. What is the work? When you say work of the tribunal, um, what is that, that work? And I know it in, you know, encompasses a lot, but, but just tell us a little bit about what you, what the work is. Number to call is 678-688-4549, trying to uh, raise the necessary funds in order to keep Catholic Radio strong in Atlanta, and we need your help. We absolutely need your help. We need to get the phone lines ringing. Um, we are at, uh, you know, we had today's total dropped off a little bit. I don't know what happened there. So, uh, oh, they're fixing it. Okay, so I was like, where where we go to $120? I don't know. So, so okay, they're going to fix it for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Make me panic for just a second. 678 Four five four nine. Um, we are trying to raise the necessary funds. So far, we have. Well, we'll get that other update too, because I don't think that totals right anymore either. So six seven eight six eight eight four five four nine. Just give us a call. We'll get the the right updates here. You know, we do use every penny, nickel, dime, quarter that you call in very wisely because, you know, here I am on my personal computer. We just have a Google Doc going. That's what we have is, you know, they're in one room typing it in. I'm on my personal computer trying to go between screens and figure out where we are and uh, so that we really take seriously the stewardship of your money. We don't have anything fancy. We have little post-it notes going everywhere with all of our messages. Yesterday we were using the whiteboard for the contest that we had going with the the Knights of Columbus. So it, we really do take that stewardship seriously. And so we would really encourage each of you to, to help us in this, in this uh, mission to save souls. That's really the mission of Catholic Radio is to save souls. We see that it's happening. Just this week, we had somebody who called in and said, you know, Quest is a new station. It's only been on the air about a year. And uh, called in and said they'd been listening to it and they were coming into the Catholic Church. How cool is that? There are going to be people someday who say, you know, grace of God made it to heaven. Thank you, because I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't the truth and the traditions that I heard on the radio through the quest. And it, that is only possible. We only can go out and give the truths and the traditions of the Catholic Church 
through the airwaves if we have the airwaves to do it. And the only way that we have the airwaves to do it is if we get calls during our pledge drives and people give of their treasure. They give back to God by giving to Quest Radio. Every good thing that we have comes from God. Every blessing that we have, we just need to take a small portion of that. There are lots of charities out there. I get it. I donate. I've been donating to Catholic Radio for 15 years because I come in from Kansas City. We've had Catholic Radio there for 15 years. I've been donating for 15 years, and I know that it makes a difference. I see that, but, um, you know, it, it really brings a tremendous grace to myself as well. I'm helping others to hear it by my donations, but I'm also growing in my own faith every day because of what I hear. And so I would really just encourage you to to seriously consider whether or not you can give um, towards this mission of saving souls. So the number, if you'd like to do that, is 678-688-4549. Besides that, Father wants to ring the bell, so we got to get up to <laughs> $10,000. We are right now at $5,720, so that's just $4,770. We're bumping it up here. It just moved. We're at $5,770, so that means we just need $4,230 called in, and we ring the bell. If one of those is a founder, then we ring the bell twice. So come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. 678-688-4549. We were talking with Father Dan Ketter. We started with his vocation story, um, found out um, about that he's been a priest now for 10 years and the journey that he took towards that, and that he also went back and got his uh law degree, his canon law degree, and uh, now works in the Archdiocesan Tribunal. So tell us, what is what what kind of work do you actually do there? Well, the tribunal is a, is a court, uh, but don't think of um, the courts that you tend to see on, on, on television or in the movies. Um, it's a court in the sense that it handles, um, say, controversies uh, within the church. Now, the most typical quote unquote controversy that we handle is uh, a person who was married and uh, whose uh, marriage, unfortunately, sadly, has, has broken down and they are now uh, requesting uh, that that marriage be declared invalid um, for certain reasons that they, they propose that would um, you know, support that, that claim that the marriage was invalid. And so, on the on the one hand, you have uh, the church that presumes that you have a valid marriage, and then on the other hand, you have a person who's saying, "I don't think my marriage was valid." And so, you have two different perspectives on that, and somehow it needs to be resolved. Mm-hmm. And the tribunal exists to resolve that doubt about the validity of the marriage. So that's the most common kind of controversy or or um, case that we that we process in the in the tribunal. Um, and um, and and I, I also like to say though that um, though though that doesn't sound like it's a lot of fun <laughs> or uplifting or a happy kind of work, um, it is extremely important uh, for those who are going through that process and for the life of the church. Uh, for one, the only reason that the tribunal exists and we have these processes for examining these marriages is because the church holds uh, with such sacredness our Lord's teaching about the sanctity of marriage and what marriage entails. Uh, I like to tell people who maybe get frustrated with having to go through this process or that it's so involved or takes so long. I said, well, if Jesus hadn't said what he said, if he hadn't taught what he taught about marriage, we wouldn't be here Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't be doing all this. But thank God we are Mm -hmm. because we're the one institution left that really upholds uh, the traditional understanding of marriage marriage from the Judeo-Christian uh, tradition, marriage as Christ taught it. Uh, and so in the church's efforts to uphold uh, Christ's teaching about marriage, uh, but at the same time to give consideration where there's a serious doubt about the validity of the marriage, the tribunal is there to uh, provide that service for for the people. And uh and ultimately, our our work is aimed at trying to help people preserve their relationship with the church in accord with the truth, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and that's a beautiful mission and a very very important mission. So, um, although it's not 
glamorous. It's not something that uh, a lot of Catholics have any contact with. Uh, a lot of people have many misunderstandings about the work of the tribunal. Um, it's a it's a very important work and has the capacity to make a very positive impact on on people's lives. Excellent. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question, give out the number again, and also I have a message for you. So that's really cool. I love it when the messages come in. Um, so you you say first of all, I should mention that 50 percent of our listeners, statistically, I don't know about the Quest in particular, but statistically across all of Catholic Radio. of the listeners are not Catholic. 25% are fallen away Catholic. 25% of us, I call the practicing Catholics, practicing till we get it right. You know, we're continuing to learn, and that's what we're doing with with the quest here. Um, So when you say Jesus, um, if Jesus hadn't taught what he taught about marriage, we wouldn't be here they may be saying, I don't know what he taught. Mm-hmm. Tell me, t- can you share with us a little bit about what he taught? I'll give out the number 678-688-4549. We are now at $6160, $6,160. Keep those phone calls coming. I haven't seen the the uh, voting for the, um, thank you. I haven't seen the voting for the uh, Knights of Columbus uh fish fry move at all. So if you'd like to vote for that fish fry, then give us a call um, uh, and make a one-time, a monthly, or become a founder, and you can vote for which fish fry you think is best. Um, But just call us with any amount. Also want to give an update on the founders. We have uh, from yesterday, we had Major General Tom, an anonymous donor, Gift of Hope, and Peter, and uh, Knights of Columbus... From Christ the King yesterday, and then today we had Lynn Wood, who was our attorney representing Nicholas Sandman, who was in, and he came in with a check for $5,000, and so he was able to support that and became a founder as well. So that means we have 15 founders so far this week. If you would like to be the next founder, the number to call, 678-688-4549. If you would like to make a one-time donation, a monthly donation of any amount, many hands make like the work. So it's all of us joining hands and making this happen. We are right now at $6,160 so far for today, $94,261 overall for the week. And we would love it if you could help us to get up to the $10,000 mark so that Father rings the bell. And we are just $3,840 away from that. Number again to call 678-688-4549. couple of messages here for Father. Um, Peter dedicated $100 in honor of his father, Rudolph, and his brother-in-law, Tony, who died, as well as a co-worker who was just diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. So we're going to pray for them if we could. And we also have another prayer intention for um, your mom and dad for comfort and healing. Awesome. So can we pray for those intentions? Sure. All right. Father God, we lift up to you the intentions that have been brought before us this morning. We entrust them to your merciful and loving providence that you give to each person that which they need to persevere in faith, hope, and love, knowing that you work all things together for good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We make these prayers through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so I asked you the question, if Jesus hadn't taught what he taught about marriage, we wouldn't be here, was your statement, what did he teach? Well, you can find it in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 19 or the Gospel of Mark chapter 10 when um, the Pharisees come and ask Jesus, put put before him a... uh, contested question about whether it's possible for a man to divorce his wife. And in responding, Jesus refers to them back to the beginning, God's original plan from the beginning. And Jesus himself quotes from uh, the opening chapters of Genesis, where uh, 
he recounts that God created man male and female, and thus what God has joined together, no man must separate. And then they retort by saying, well, why did Moses allow a man to write a bill of divorce and give it to his wife and separate? And Jesus said that Moses gave that to you because of the hardness of your hearts. Uh, which is uh, a strong, a strong accusation. Uh, and he goes on to say then in very strong language, any man who leaves his wife and marries another commits adultery and a woman who leaves her husband and marries another commits adultery. Um, so he's, he's very clear, very unambiguous and uh, speaks right out of the, the Jewish scriptural tradition and in which he was preaching and teaching. Um, so it's, it's that very explicit teaching of our Lord that is the foundation for uh, the church's understanding of marriage, teaching of marriage, and what we do in the tribunal when we look at marriages that one or the other, or perhaps both of the spouses, allege was not valid. Yeah. And as I understand it, it's a, a, a pretty cool process, actually, that you go through. Um, you know, and, and I had one one person, one priest that I was interviewing who told me, sometimes somebody will come forward and say, you know, I'm seeking an annulment. I don't think my va- my marriage was valid. And they'll write like 10 pages of reasons why they think their marriage is not valid. And they only find maybe two sentences in the 10 pages that actually can can be used to say it might not have been valid. And then, of course, you go to the tribunal. So tell us what are some of the things that, that maybe you look for whenever you're looking to see if a marriage was valid or not? Well, the most important thing to to, to know, to understand, is that um, that marriage comes into existence. The marriage bond is created at the moment that the two parties exchange their consent. Mm-hmm. So on the day of their wedding, when they spoke their vows to one another— the marriage bond came into existence if it was a if it was a valid marriage, and and the church presumes that when couples go through that marriage uh, exchange of vows, that a that a valid marriage comes into existence. Um, and so any investigation of the validity of the marriage focuses in on zeroes in on what happened at the moment that the two parties exchanged their consent. What was their understanding of marriage? Uh, what were they uh, saying I do too? Were they doing that freely? Uh, those those are the, the kinds of things that we look at. People often think that it's why the marriage failed, what happened during the marriage that ended up leading to the couple separating, that that would be the basis for a marriage being ruled invalid. But that really has very little to do with uh, the examination that the tribunal carries out. The whole examination is focused on the moment at which the marriage bond came into existence, which is the exchange of consent. So all the the testimony that we take, the evidence that we gather is all to help the tribunal understand when they exchanged consent, did a marriage bond come into existence? Was the consent that they exchanged sufficient for bringing into existence the marriage bond? Mm-hmm. So it often happens that when we're uh, instructing these cases, instructing being the word for processing, processing the cases, we're often continually having to um, to uh, reorient the the parties who are involved in the case to the the consent itself, because there's a tendency to to focus on what happened years later in the marriage that, that caused the marriage to break down. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the vital question is uh, pertains to the moment of consent. Right, mm-hmm. right. So if it is a, a sacramental valid marriage, then, you know, the things that happen afterwards, we just need to, to work to bring them back and, and unite the couple again in that sacrament. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a bit of a technical distinction, but an important distinction is that um, it doesn't even have to be a sacramental marriage that's a valid lifelong marriage. So uh, sacraments are for the baptized, okay? The gateway to the sacraments is the sacrament to baptism. Uh, And so only one who is baptized can receive confirmation, can receive Holy Eucharist, can go to the sacrament of reconciliation, holy orders, and so forth. To celebrate a sacramental marriage 
you need two baptized people, right? If two baptized people marry, Catholic or not, they might be two Methodists, two evangelicals, but, but if they're two baptized people and they exchange consent, the Catholic Church understands that a sacramental marriage has come into existence. But you may have a Catholic who's marrying a Jewish person or marrying a non-baptized person, marrying a Muslim person. Though they marry in the church and the church recognizes that that marriage is a valid marriage, it's not a sacramental marriage Mm -hmm. because you need two baptized people to have a sacramental marriage. And so... Uh, I, I stress this point because the church's teaching, the church's understanding about marriage doesn't pertain solely and exclusively to Catholics. The church's understanding of marriage is what's true about all all marriage. And so if a uh, Catholic and a non-Catholic uh, non-baptized person marry, though it's not a sacramental marriage, we still believe that it's a marriage that is uh, oriented to the the mutual flourishing of the spouses, to the procreation and education of children, that is meant to be a faithful and exclusive and, and lifelong marriage. Uh, and, uh, and in every case, uh, we want to support uh, in every way we can to help those individuals live out uh, faithfully the vows that they exchanged on their wedding day. Excellent. Okay. So next question, then I have give out the phone number and I have another message for you. I love it. Um, so next question is what about those who you talked about two baptized Catholic or two baptized people who marry? What if, uh, one is Catholic and one is not Catholic, but they marry outside. They don't get married in the Catholic church by a Catholic priest. So how does that affect the, the sacrament and mm-hmm. the validity of the marriage. Mm-hmm. So um, number to call those, 678-688-4549, 678-688-4549. We are talking with Father Dan Ketter. We are so great grateful that he's here with us today. He is from the Archdiocesan Tribunal. So we're talking about some of the, the things. He talked about his vocation to a story, talking about some of the things that he now deals with in the tribunal and uh, what a lot of great information. Also, we really want to take a minute to encourage all of you to go to thequestatlanta.com. Go to the website because there is information on a bill that is coming up. Um, It's coming to the Georgia Senate. The Senate committee is preparing to vote at 3 p.m. today on House Bill 481, called the Heartbeat Bill, Prohibiting Abortions After the Heartbeat Has Been Detected. So you can cast your vote. Um, I'm sorry, use your voice. Use your voice to cast your vote and ask your your, uh, senators to... Well, just go to the website because I'm not from Georgia, so I haven't really researched all of this. But if you go to the website, it gives you the numbers to call. Um, it gives you the four key members to call that are on the committee. We want it to, to come out for a vote, and that's really where you use your voice is to ask them to do that. Um, so give them a call or go on the website. Give your, your legislators a call. The number to the the website again, thequestatlanta.com, thequestatlanta.com. It is so important that we take action when these things come up like this. It seems like a no-brainer, I think, to most of us that a baby with a heartbeat is a baby. I mean, we, most of us, I think, believe that, that a baby is a baby from conception on. But nonetheless, golly, with a heartbeat, it seems like it should be, duh, Right. But it's not, and that's why we're having to have this legislation. So please, by all means, take the time. Become active. It is time for all of us to stand up and be counted. We just got done earlier talking with Lynn Wood about all of the the, the terrible things that are happening with Nicholas Sandman and the things that were done to him. And, and he's standing up and he's saying enough. This is enough, and we're going to, to do something to help Nicholas and also to hopefully make a lasting change in the way 
that the media is reporting things. It's time for us to stand up and be counted too. One of the ways that we can do that is to go to thequestatlanta.com, find the phone numbers and make the calls and give voice and ask that this critical vote be be brought up. So give us a give us a call um, or go online thequestatlanta.com to find out more information. We would also love it if you would call and make a pledge at 678-688-4549 so that we continue to have the airwaves to have a voice. It really is. It truly is times that that um, I never thought I would see. I, I never, ever, I you know, I'm old, but I never thought that I would see a time when people said it's okay to kill a baby even after they're born. You know, it's like, Wow, I never thought that. But these are the times that we're in, and we cannot be silent anymore. It is time for us to stand up and be counted. And this is one way you can do it. Go and find out about this vote. Go to thequestatlanta.com. The phone numbers to call are on there. The message is on there. Um, Look at what the House bill is saying, and then make your decision and stand up and be counted. All right, so enough of my my uh, soapbox here. So we also want to give a message to to Father, and it says Joan wanted to say God bless you for all that you do. How cool is that? Thank so you, Joan. Th- yeah, thank you, Joan. And uh, so again, number to call six seven eight six eight eight four five four nine. Before I got on my soapbox, Father, I asked you about uh, um, a marriage that would occur between two baptized people, one Catholic, one not, that marry outside of the church. So we have the great privilege as Catholics of marrying according to the ritual of the church. Uh, And the law of the church sets out certain um, uh, features of a marriage that um, a Catholic should take part in, a wedding that a Catholic should take part in. We call it the canonical form of marriage. It's really quite simple, to be honest. Uh, They need to marry in the presence of uh, an, an authorized minister, so a, a deacon, a priest, or could be a bishop uh, who has uh, received the proper authorization to witness that marriage, and there needs to be two witnesses present as well. Uh, that, in an, in, a, in its essence, is uh, the basic requirement, the most fundamental requirement for a Catholic to marry. Now, there's other laws that say that they really should marry in the parish church of one or the other Catholic party. If it's just one Catholic, obviously it would be in the parish church of that Catholic person. But if you had two Catholic people, it could be in either of their parishes. Um, and um, and so, uh, not only is that uh, a great privilege, but it's a but it's a requirement as well. Uh, really, just the basic things that I mentioned: marrying in the presence of an authorized minister and with two other witnesses present. Uh, and if uh, a marriage between a Catholic and a non-Catholic uh, does not adhere to or follow th- those requirements, the canonical form, and they haven't gotten what we call a dispensation for for not following the canonical form, it would n- not be regarded as a valid marriage. It would be considered an invalid marriage uh, due to what we say it's it's a lack of, of canonical form. So... Uh, Though the, the typical example would be uh, a Catholic or maybe two Catholics who simply marry before a civil official. They get a civil marriage but never marry in the church. Uh, that's not a marriage that's recognized as valid by the Catholic Church. Or another not too atypical example, particularly down here in the Southeast, would be a Catholic who marries uh, a Protestant Christian and they marry in the Protestant Church but don't obtain a dispensation for marrying uh, outside the Catholic Church, uh, that would uh, be invalid due to its lack of canonical form. So those are cases that we see quite a, quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are cases that are fairly easy to, to process because uh, the evidence is pretty easy to gather. It's quite straightforward. You can really verify that those facts through documents and and can um, can conclude those cases fairly quickly. Oftentimes it happens that uh, a Catholic who's a part of a marriage, maybe with another Catholic or maybe just with a non-Catholic who married outside of the church 
and their marriage is not valid because of that fact. So it's it suffers from uh, the lack of canonical form. Come back to the practice of their faith or later in their life, they realize, you know, I want my marriage recognized by the church. I want to return to the sacraments. I want to be a part of the life of the church. Then uh, it's um, a fairly um, easy process. I guess I should be a little bit careful about saying that. There's definitely a path for them to have their marriage uh, recognized by the church, validated by the church, so that then um, it is considered valid, recognized by the church, and they can then fully participate in the life of the church. Excellent. Okay, so... I'm I'm gonna throw it out there because I've heard it before. Um, why in the world can the church tell me that I have to be married in the church? Why can't you know? I love this person, you know. I I love the church too, you know. I'm I'm a good Catholic, but but she's not, and and uh, she doesn't want to get married in the church, and and so why can't I just marry where God ordains marriage? Why why the heck do I have to do what the Catholic Church tells me to do? Well, the uh, church uh, isn't a man-made institution. It was established by our Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of souls, for the, the good of her for people. Mm. And he's endowed her with the authority to uh, direct and guide uh, the life of her children so that they follow the sure path that will lead to eternal salvation. Uh, and so all the teachings that the church gives us, the laws that are in place, serve only one purpose, and that is to lead us to, to heaven, to lead us to Jesus Christ and to the salvation that he, he offers. Um, and so the church doesn't put these requirements uh, in place just to be heavy-handed or to you know, control our lives, but rather to uh, ensure that uh, the members of the church have all the resources that they need to uh, fulfill their divine calling, and that is the calling to eternal life, to to salvation. And anyone who is familiar with canon law will recognize, know this um, this important truth about the law, something that not a lot of people who aren't familiar with it wouldn't realize, but uh, the very final canon in the code of canon law. So the, the code of canon law is filled with individual canons. Canon is a word that means like rule or measure. So you have all these different canons in the code of canon law. The very last canon in the code of canon law says that all the preceding laws serve for one purpose, the salvation of souls. Mm. So the law uh, exists uh, for that one purpose and that one purpose alone to get us to heaven. Mm. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful explanation. Okay, again, we are we are in our third day of our pledge drive. We only have until 7 p.m. today to really pump up the amount so that we don't have to come back to you for another six months. So come on, give us a call, 678-688-4549. We're at $94,361 so far for the week. Um we would love to see that more. Uh, you know, they, that's a lot of money. We are grateful for all of that that's been called in. It's probably not enough to get us for six months. So come on, give us a call, 678-688-4549. Can you be a founder and let Father ring the bell? You know, a founder almost is going to get us uh, to to the point where we ring the bell twice because $3,600 what would that be? Uh, I don't know. I can't do the math. It's uh, it's too too late. It would be like six thousand eight hundred and sixty dollars. Um, I'm sorry, nine thousand eight hundred and sixty dollars. So we would be almost there if we could get a founder, and then we would just need another hundred and forty in order to ring the bell. So come on, two people calling in, one a founder, one with $140. We ring the bell twice. Give us a call, 678-688-4549, 678-688-4549. Come on, we, uh, Father, I, you know what? I'm having to slap his hand. He is reaching for that bell. He wants to ring the bell. We want to ring it. Come on, let's do it. 
678-688-4549. Also, the Knights of Columbus uh, fish fry vote is still out there. If you would like to vote for that, then give us a call for that as well. We are at $6,260. And by all means, please go to the website and find out about this house bill that is up and uh, voice your, your opinions on that by calling the numbers on the website. All right, so we are talking with Father Dan Ketter. He is with the Archdiocesan Tribunal. Lots of really, really great information that you're sharing with us. So help us to, to understand the process when um, you you have this. You talked about the court. The tribunal is a court, and that the most common case is for a marriage to be called, asking for your marriage to be called an uh, invalid, looking for an annulment, I guess, so to speak. So you have all these uh, reasons why not. My understanding is you have the canon lawyer on one side representing the why it's not a valid marriage, but you also have somebody else who argues why it is. about Another canon lawyer that says this is why it is, and then you go before the, the court, and then they, they rule on that. I think that's pretty cool. I talked to somebody, I've you know been married now for, for 38 years, almost 38 years, so I've not ever had this issue, but I talked to somebody who did, who went through an annulment, and when they heard that, because they didn't realize that at the time that they went through the annulment, when they heard that, it made them feel so good to realize somebody actually was arguing that maybe it was. And so when they got the, the annulment, they realized it wasn't just, you know, what people call the Catholic divorce, that it really was recognizing it wasn't a true marriage in the first place. That's right. So in a, in a marriage annulment case, trial, process, uh, however you want to refer to it, you certainly have one, one party to that marriage who is uh, petitioning the tribunal to declare the marriage invalid. And that person is bringing forth uh, reasons why they think it is invalid. Oftentimes, the other party to the marriage doesn't want to take part. Um, They have a right to be notified. They have a right to take part if they want, but many times they don't want to be a part of it, and so they're not actively involved in the case. Um, Sometimes they are actively involved, and sometimes they're of the same mind as the other party. They too think the marriage was invalid, and so they too are arguing in favor of a declaration of nullity being granted. Because that's often the case, the church wants to make sure that there's somebody else that's a part of this process that is arguing the other side of the issue, Mm -hmm. that is arguing in favor of validity. And so every marriage case that comes before uh, the tribunal is assigned what we call a defender of the bond, Uh, somebody who's a, a canon lawyer who is able to bring forth any and all uh, pertinent arguments in favor of the judges concluding that, no, this marriage, we believe, you know, was, was valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the, this judicial process that we go through, sometimes that even doesn't sit well with, with people. They think, you know, uh, that just seems so foreign to to the life of the church. Shouldn't we just be kind of looking and seeing, you know, are these good people? Do they deserve it? You know, and uh, and just give them what they want. Well, really, that's not serving anybody because that's not getting at the truth. And that's that's ultimately what the tribunal and the tribunal processes are aimed at of getting at the truth about the reality of this particular marriage. And that's an act of justice, an act of justice for both of those parties to the marriage and also an act of justice for the wider church community. Because the church community, like civil society generally, uh, thrives on, is built on the institution of marriage. And if the church uh, simply was willing to uh, declare null, you know, any and every marriage that uh, was presented to them just because the parties uh, wanted to move on and wanted to enter another marriage or just because they uh, they felt like uh, they they deserved it. It would really undermine the institution of marriage, which would undermine the institution of the family, which would undermine the institution of the church. And so uh, by 
really focusing its process on seeking the truth about the marriage in question, the church is carrying out an act of justice for, for all who are involved, from the two individuals to to the wider church church community. Uh, and so, uh, and the best way to get at the truth is through a judicial process where uh, those involved make their statements, they offer witnesses or call forth witnesses who can provide additional testimony as well. And to the best of its ability, the church tries to get a complete and full understanding of what took place and then come to a conclusion about whether or not um, the marriage was valid. And just to- I'm going to interrupt you just for a second because mm-hmm. I, I have a message here that I failed to mention because I didn't glance at it like I should have. Match every donation for the rest of the hour. So um, come on, we're going to match every donation. There's somebody out there that says called in and said that they would match every donation for the remainder of the hour. So let's get it going. That started a while back. I don't know when they brought me that message in. I apologize that I didn't announce it right away. Number to call 678-688-4549. You can double your money right now. It is not often in today's world we get to double our money, but you can do it right now. So whatever, and if you call in a monthly, then your amount, even though you're only sending 25 or $50 right now, you're sending it every month, that's multiplied by 12, and that match matches the full 12 amount. So now is the time for a monthly donor. Now is the time for a founder. Now is the time for whatever you can give. Number to call 678-688-4549. Match the, the donations uh, right now, a, a dollar for dollar match. All right, sorry. Yeah, two things I think there are worth mentioning, uh, and I think the way I've been speaking maybe has been a little bit misleading. When a couple marries, the church presumes that that marriage is valid. Okay. We presume that the marriage is valid. And we the church presumes that because it doesn't want people walking around having this doubt about their marriage and its validity. So the church presumes that, that a marriage uh, properly entered into is a is a valid marriage and so when somebody comes to the tribunal and makes a petition for a declaration of nullity uh they're trying to bring forth sufficient evidence that would say that that presumption of validity should be overturned and the church should say because of the evidence that we have seen that presumption that we uh, stand on has given way to the evidence that says this was not a valid marriage. So in a marriage nullity process, the church is not trying to, uh, is not asking whether the marriage is valid. The church presumes the marriage is valid. The church is really asking, is there enough evidence that would support the conclusion that the presumption of validity needs to give way? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, a, it's a subtlety, but an important one. Uh, that just because somebody brings forth a petition doesn't mean now all of a sudden we question the validity. No, we we stand in the position of presuming the validity only when there's sufficient evidence that overturns that do we declare a marriage invalid. Good, yeah. And I didn't hear you say anything differently, uh, but that's a very, very good clarification. So thank you for that. One other thing uh, I want to mention is that, you know, a marriage, uh, sadly, may break down and we know very well that um that far too many do one one is too many but simply because a marriage breaks down doesn't mean it was not valid okay the 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 end of a marriage itself isn't proof that the marriage was invalid and even though a couple may get a civil divorce you know separate their lives the church still regards that as a valid marriage. And there are men and women out there, Catholics, some non-Catholics, of course, too, um, who, though their marriage broke down, um, still live in fidelity to the truth that there's a marriage bond that still exists. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was... You know, both spouses fault. Oftentimes it is, takes two to tango. Uh, But sometimes, you know, uh, it was one spouse who kind of unilaterally decided to exit the marriage. Uh, And there's those heroic men and women out there who will say, you know, though my marriage failed, though my spouse left me, or though I, you know, 
did my own uh, part in wreaking damage on my marriage. I know that I believe that we entered into a valid marriage and I'm going to live my life in fidelity mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to get an annulment. You know, it's not something that you're required to do. And in fact, it's a beautiful, heroic, uh, sanctifying thing for somebody to say, I'm going to live in fidelity to my to my vows mm-hmm. and to my spouse, even though we're we're no longer together. Yes. Yes. Excellent. I love it. So how I have a message for you, but but uh, how often do you see um, where a marriage is is uh, overturned? The the validity of a marriage is overturned, as you're saying, compared to saying um, this marriage is a is a valid marriage. And so I'll give out the number six seven eight six eight eight four five four nine. Also from uh, Mark and Natalie and children of St. Jude's. They send their love. So awesome. you probably know them. I do. And one more um, from Father. This is for Father Dan Ketter. Hello from the Kasser family. And we Kassar. love you. Okay. <laughs> I, that's what it says. So Yeah, Kassar. Okay, okay Kassar. Okay. <laughs> right. So we love you. And uh, they no- donated in your honor. Awesome. So, Thank awesome, you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. The update is that we were at $6,310. So what's the, the percentage? I'm sure you don't have like a specific, but, you know, it, what do you think? Well, the of, of the cases that come before us, is that what you're asking mm-hmm. of those that are come before us? I mean, it's a fairly high percentage that uh, are judged as having been invalid. But don't don't be misled by that. That doesn't mean that that percentage, let's say it's, you know, around... 75%. Don't think that that's a reflection on all marriages. It's a relatively high percentage because those cases that are being brought to us are people who obviously think their marriage was invalid. Right. Okay. And then um, of those cases that are moving through the process, some of them will, uh, will not go the whole length of the process. People will decide to renounce their case, or we will tell them you have a very weak case uh, and it doesn't make sense to continue. And so those cases that actually reach a conclusion have a fairly strong claim mm-hmm. that the marriage was invalid. That's why you see a relatively high percentage of of um, declarations of nullity being being granted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Well, we we are out of time. Golly, I don't I was going to say we have only a, but no, we're out of time. So six, seven, eight, six, eight, eight, four, five, four, nine. Last thought. And then you, if you would give us your blessing to all of us here and out through the airwaves and I'll kneel down for that. Sure. My last thought would be uh, when I was spent those three years in Washington, D.C., studying at the Catholic University of America. Um, that first year I had to commute and I would listen to Catholic radio during uh, during my commute. And that was my really my first time uh, getting exposed to Catholic radio and discovered how much awesome content there is on Catholic radio, how much you can learn from listening to Catholic radio, how you can be so inspired in your faith through Catholic radio and how it has a tremendous power to evangelize mm. Catholics and non-Catholics alike. So it's um, fantastic to see finally um, us have Catholic radio here in Atlanta. And I just uh, will, I have been and will continue to pray for all who've been a part of making this uh, happen, that it can grow and flourish and be a part of um, life in Atlanta for many, many years. Excellent. Your blessing. And then I have some messages. Annie's going to have to be patient here. (laughs) (laughs) May the God of peace who brought up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, Jesus, our Lord, furnish you with all that is good that you may do his will. And may he carry out in you all that is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Through the intercession of the blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints of heaven, may almighty God bless the quest, all its listeners, all its volunteers, all who work for it, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And boy, they just walked in a whole lot of messages, so I'm going to roll through them quick because we are out of time. Um, The Cleveland family donated in honor of Father Ketter. Thank you for all you do. Lisa and Michael are praying for you and everything you do. So glad you are a priest. 
Ty um, says that Father, thanks. Oh, thank you, Father Ketter. Not Ty. Thank you. T.Y. Thank you, Father Ketter, for the interesting explanation of the tribunal and its work. Asks prayers for adult children who have left the church and lost their faith. So we'll do that real quick. Um, this person became a founder on Tuesday and called again to donate um, for the match, and she likes what she's hearing. So that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for to Betty who did that. And uh, I think that's it. Okay. Hmm? For prayers for an annulment that is in process. So two prayers, one for adult children who have lost their faith and left the church, and one for an annulment that's in process. Father, we pray for those children of yours who have wandered from your flock. We ask that by the, uh, the witness of your disciples, the love of your church, that they might be drawn back to you. And for all those who are uh, contemplating or in the midst of uh, an investigation of their marriage, that more than anything, they would look to you, trust you, uh, and believe that uh, you will uh, bring to light the truth about their situation uh, and you will give them the grace to live in accord with that truth because it is, it is your truth, your son, Jesus, that sets us free. Mm. We ask these things in his name. Amen. 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 All right. Now back to, we'll be back after the break. Uh, stay tuned.